Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Trey Colbeck, Adam Stewart. Welcome one and all to our live week seven preview show here on the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, we apologize slightly later start time than usual. Uh, we had a last minute uh, thing one of our hosts needed to attend to, but we are here and we are looking forward to previewing everything from the four games, three games, who knows how many games in the CFL this coming weekend. We'll get to that. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll go through each of the games this week. Uh, we will uh, talk through the major storylines. Uh, we're going to talk CFL fantasy and we'll make our picks against the spread here tonight as well. We'll also take your comments and questions in the chat throughout the night, all made possible by our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Learn more at facebook.com slash Game Time TV MB. Uh, welcome to all of you joining us in the live chat over on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, I see a couple comments in the chat already. Great to see. Hello, one and all. Welcome to all of you listening after the fact as well. Before I bring in the rest of the panel, I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and as always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now let's bring in the rest of the panel here tonight. First, it's the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, boys. I'm ready to talk some football. Yeah, I don't know, three, four games, who knows, but we'll definitely, I'm sure, uh, sure talk about it. And as you guys can see, we got our 7-Eleven cups, right, Adam? Yep. Yep. And mine may or may not have Alexander Keith in it, because I promised that last week if the Argos won, we might have some of those in here. So we'll see, but... It could just be a show, and I could just be drinking water. Who knows? We'll see how I'm talking in an hour. <laughs> so jealous of the Slurpee Cups. I do uh, hope to get my hand on one here at some point. Uh, of course, joining us here as well tonight, the great Adam Stewart. Adam, had a bit of a mishap before this, but hey, you made it in. We're happy to have you still here with us tonight. Uh, welcome to, welcome here tonight, Adam. How are you? Well, better than, uh, what do you call my canola now, apparently, after my cows decided to go for a little stroll to go visit one of the neighbors. And, of course, they had to walk right through the canola to go visit them. That's not usually a great thing. But, hey, we're here. We're happy. Uh, let's face it, me and Trey are going to be here to take this show off the rails, and Ryan's back here to put it back on the tracks. All good. Yeah, you made that joke earlier today. Little did I know you were going to take it off the rails before we even got started here tonight. Uh, no, of course, all in good fun. Lots of fun to be had here this evening as well. Well, let's dive right into it. With uh, Start off with the storylines for the games this weekend. I know it's the last game on the schedule for the weekend, but there's so much breaking news around it that it feels like maybe we should talk about this one first. Uh, so let's talk about the rematch between the Toronto Argonauts and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, taking place tentatively this Saturday, possibly eight, nine weeks from now. Who knows? Uh, Adam, uh, what do we got here on, on this game between the, the Riders and the Argos? What's going on? Well, there's been a little bit of an issue after uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders got home off the plane uh, from uh, Nova Scotia. It's been discovered that six Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Now, the bad news is they thought, okay, good enough, whatever. 
Monday, we won't have a practice. Tuesday, we won't practice after finding out about this. And, uh, yeah, we're into Wednesday now. Uh, it was announced here at about noon today that there was an additional six players that have COVID, bringing the number up to about 10. Uh, so Saskatchewan right now has not practiced all week. They are not likely to probably practice tomorrow by the sounds of it. And this game is in real jeopardy of happening right now. Uh, some of the uh, uh, sports uh, Twitter followers out there, uh, for example, Rod Peterson and a couple others, have already stated that they think that this game has been postponed or will be postponed uh, in short order. This game has not been postponed officially yet. Uh, Jeremy O'Day has uh, did a news conference here at about 1.30 local time and essentially just said, hey, look, we're going through all the steps. Here's what's happening right now. And if we get additional players or we can't practice here tomorrow and we can only practice on Friday, which would be the walkthrough day, we probably will be postponing this game. It doesn't sound like the riders really want to run with uh, the risk of injury by having a quick game early. So that's what's the latest in Saskatchewan on the uh, situation of this game. Uh, Toronto is not flowing in yet. Uh, they would be flying in probably tomorrow. So if there's going to be an announcement, I would expect one probably by about 9.30, 10.30 Saskatchewan time. I would probably take a look at that first. And uh, for those that are going to uh, to be uh, talking about possibly, uh, like I said, there might be, uh, this game might be moved quite a little ways. Uh, and then there's talk that this game could be moved just over to maybe even Sunday or Monday. But uh, right at the moment, we're not sure in a whole lot of details on this. Uh, we'll bring them as they develop, I guess, as they would say in the news world. Uh, kind of cool. Real breaking news, I guess, right at the moment here. But uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So I uh, guess, guys, what I'm going to ask is if this game is a go, uh, which is looking more and more unlikely, I guess we'll talk the storylines about it here first, about what could be happening and Unless you guys want to run through this COVID protocol yet first. I have one question. When are we going to start thinking of COVID as like, like how far do we need to get out of this COVID before COVID protocol is not a longer thing? And that's maybe not something we can discuss, but like, like when are we going to consider it like a normal injury? Is it only because it's so highly like, um, like it's so easily spread? Like, cause again, if someone has a common cold, we're not going to postpone the game, right? Michael Jordan had to play game five with flu-like symptoms. And, and you know what I mean? So that, I guess that's my question. I want to talk about more than the actual storylines. Cause I don't think this game's going on, but if you guys want to talk, I'm down to talk, whatever. No, I think, I think you're right there though. It's the con contain like how contagious it is, is a big problem. Like we've talked already. It's a, apparently there's a player at each position for the riders basically that has it like it's spreading quick there who knows how quick it's spreading to other places sure you know uh, at least most if not all the cfl players are vaccinated at this point which should you know diminish the effects of it there a little bit but hey it can still spread and it's kind of been proven here with the team right so yeah probably just uh, you know probably still a precautionary thing that's going to be around i would say for quite a while here uh, with the CFL, with sports, with life in general, really, you know, uh, it's hard to talk about, you know, when, when does it end, right? When is the official end and how do you transition back into whatever a new normal is versus keep the protocols in place? 
I think that's something probably the CFL is talking about internally pretty regularly as well, especially with this year. And did I think we were going to have a situation this season where we were talking about this, where we were talking about a game, you know, being shut down potentially due to a COVID outbreak? You know, I really didn't coming into this year. I, I thought they had good protocols in place for the most part. I, you know, with the way everything else has been kind of opening back up, uh, I was a little surprised all of a sudden to start getting these messages this week of, uh, oh, there's another couple of players. There's another couple of players uh, here. And uh, well, I guess we, like Adam said, we got to keep monitoring uh, whether this game's going to happen and what the protocol actually is at this point. Yeah, and Chris Hominick uh, brought up a, a little bit of a point there. Uh, postponed like the NFL, so the game might be on a Tuesday. We don't know right now. Uh, there's no real set uh, way of doing a postponement in the CFL. I know there's talk about possibly going to Week 15 with this game, moving uh, the Edmonton Elks and the Saskatchewan Rough Rider game uh, back a week because both of them are on bye, and then playing the Toronto-Saskatchewan game the week before. But then Toronto doesn't get a bye, and that means that they're going to be playing 14 straight weeks without foot without a bye, which is terrible. So, you know what? It's not a good situation no matter what. We'd rather love to see these games being played. But again, for the abundance of safety and for players, I can understand why they aren't wanting to do this. So now I think we should still talk this game, guys, about the storylines uh, and what's going on. Because, I mean, there's other things that have happened uh in touchdown Atlantic that uh, will make an effect. If this game doesn't go later on, it will as well. Uh, tonight, the CFL has uh, issued a one-game suspension against Duke Williams uh, for his helmet uh, discus throw or whatever you want to call that uh, on Shaq Richardson. Uh, Shaq Richardson for punching Duke Williams has also got a one-game suspension. Uh, sorry, uh, maximum fine issued to uh, to him. Uh, guys, I just want your quick opinion. I know, I know, we all don't agree with the with the helmet throwing and with uh, with again if there's uh, punches and all that. I, like, is there something the CFL really should do to try to get rid of this chippiness? Was that enough for Duke Williams? Was it uh, too much for uh, Duke or for Shaq? Uh, what do you think, there, Trey? I didn't hear anything about. We know why it happened. Like, was they just talking and it escalated? Like. I, I believe that Richardson supposedly had stepped onto the rider's side of the field during warmups and, you know, maybe started talking a little crap there and, and that maybe led into the escalation it did. But uh, see, I, I, I don't think that the helmet throw should matter depending on what was happened, but I guess it all depends if Shaq, if Shaq Williams just threw a helmet just because, well, I don't think one game's enough, but if Richardson did something to kind of provoke it, then maybe, I, I don't know. I think one game's not enough. I'm, but it was one of those things that we talked about before with Marino. I didn't think four games would come, but I thought something of that nature would be, uh, should be warranted. Game, same thing. I think nothing, I thought nothing was going to happen and at least something happened, right? Maybe two, three games. For sure the one to take him away from the back-to-back, -back, right? Like, we don't want this guy playing Toronto again, right? Like, for sure. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's the off-field stuff. Because, again, if that happened in-game, would it only have been one game? You know, is it because it happened before? It should be more or less. I don't know, Ryan. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Definitely take him out for this one. And, I, you know, when I went to look at the schedule and I saw they were playing each other again this week, I was like, uh-oh. Like, uh <laughs> 
<laughs> that's going to get ugly with the rematch, uh, I'm sure. Uh, you know, maybe that's not happening this week, and maybe that's uh, a blessing in disguise, so to say, to have it rescheduled for later this season. But yeah, that it, it didn't look good. I'm happy he got at least a one-game suspension. I would have maybe given him more, not only for the helmet incident, you have the, the alleged spitting incident with Duke Williams as well. Uh, this isn't the first time we've seen or heard, you know, rumors of problematic on-field behavior uh, from Duke Williams. There was some last season as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I have no problem with setting the line down and saying, uh, yeah, let's let's make this guy sit for at least a game. Would have liked to maybe see it a little bit extra, but, you know, it, it seems like you always want to sit. It seems like that's something we always want to see with CFL suspensions is that they're never enough. Uh, but given the this, you know, typical CFL track record, I'm not surprised it's only one game. You know, I'm going to say this, though. Uh, if you look at the NFL, they had an incident very similar to this at one time. Uh, Miles Garrett rips the helmet off of Mason Rudolph of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and nails Mason Rudolph with his helmet. Now, he swung and held on and tried to make it almost like a face, like a actual, like, literal uh, hit with the object. This was more of a grab the helmet and throw it back at him, which is dangerous as well. Don't get me wrong. Uh Miles Garrett was suspended for six games, the final six of the regular season for that one from the NFL. Yes, he appealed it, and I'm sure he got less. But it was just the fact that, you know what, it's a very it was a fairly similar incident, yet in the CFL, that's a one-game suspension. He, to me, I think it was a very light job, and if you're on the in the Ryder Nation, you should be celebrating that it was a one-game suspension. Uh, because it could have got a lot worse than that, in my opinion. Um, that being said, uh, on the Toronto side of the football, uh, let's get into the uh, game itself. Uh, looks like Brandon Banks really needs to get going this season. And we talked a little bit about it last uh, on Monday there, just saying, hey, look, he hasn't had the greatest of yards. He hasn't had great stats. Uh, it seems like Brandon Banks still has not gotten on uh, the same page with his quarterback, uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Is this the quarterback? Is this the receiver? Are we seeing Brandon Banks finally coming down a little bit from what he used to be? I mean, let's face it, he looks nothing like the same guy we've seen over in Hamilton. Uh, what is your guys' thoughts of Brandon Banks so far this season? Uh, Ryan? Yeah, it's been, I think, maybe a bit of a step back, maybe not quite what uh, Toronto was looking for from him when we, they brought him in. Uh, but he did also regress last season with Hamilton as well. Uh, you know, uh, compared to that 1,550 yards he put up in 2019, which was ridiculous, uh, Brandon Banks started slow last season. He picked it up down the stretch a little more, so maybe we see more of that this year. But, uh, yeah, a bit of a slow start. 13 catches, 28 targets, 185 yards. You know, that's uh, half the targets, uh, less than half of them coming his way have ended up in his mitts. So uh, certainly not what, uh, what you want necessarily from Brandon Banks. But I think also you've seen some other guys in that receiving core step up. Like Cam Phillips had a big game last week for the Argos, and that's something uh, you really like to see there as well. And – I think that was maybe one of the things we all had some question marks around with Toronto's offseason moves is they're bringing in this firepower, but they're bringing in this firepower from 2019, 2018, et cetera, right? Is, 
are these guys kind of getting past their prime? And I think Banks is still a high quality receiver, but I don't think we're talking MOP level Brandon Banks anymore, Trey. You know, I think it's an interesting thing with Brandon Banks. You know, looking at top 10 in receiving touchdowns, he's he has two. He's tied for 10th in the receiving touchdowns. He's only two down of the league leader, Dominique Grimes. So he's like, you know, he's one really good weekend away from being the top receiver in touchdowns anyway. I, I think the Toronto offense is one of those things that stalls them out. You know, Harris hasn't been being used. But, uh, Bethel Thompson needs to get the ball away more. I think there's more issues than just Brandon Banks and that Argo offense. Um and, you know, we talked about last week's game. Didn't Saskatchewan basically just lose because of a pick six, right? It wasn't it wasn't the Toronto offense that won. So I think there's a lot of things that Toronto's offense needs to start doing right. I think they have a lot of the pieces. They just got to get clicking. So I don't know if it's personnel. I don't know if it's coaching. Maybe they need a Kahari Jones' help more than Hamilton's. Who knows? I, I, I don't want to blame Brandon Banks. But, you know, when you start hitting that, we all know when you start hitting 30, you know, you st- everything starts going downhill, right? Well, me and Ryan will figure that out soon. Adam might already know that, but, uh, um, you know, when you start hitting that 30, things start going downhill and, uh, you know, we're, we don't use duct tape and WD 40 to make things feel better. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel for Brandon Banks. He's a guy again, you know, I think he's, he deserves more than what he's had. He's a really talented player. And I think it's just unfortunate that he's stuck in the East. You know, could you imagine a guy like him on a West team? Like, you know, you put him on BC, you put him on Toronto or on Winnipeg or Saskatchewan. I bet maybe he wouldn't be like lighting it up, but I bet the yards would be there more. Right. You know, and now if you look at some of the teams where he maybe even cracked the roster, who knows? But if he did get on the roster, I think he would make some teams out here even better. So I'm not too down on Brandon Banks right now. I just want to add quickly also on that, that Toronto's played four games. They've had two bye weeks thus far. Like we're talking about four games of the season of what we've seen from Banks. And like Trey said, he has two touchdowns, two touchdowns in four games. That's not bad, right? So like 18 game season, what you're talking nine touchdowns on the year. That's pretty decent, I would say. Uh, so I'm not as concerned about a what we're considering a slow-ish start for Brandon Banks as maybe I am by some other guys like a Jake Winicky, for example, who's Played more games up to this point, but has been struggling equally, if not greater. So I think there's still time for Banks to bounce back. No, absolutely. I think the guy there, I mean, let's face it, he's a veteran. He knows what he needs to do to get himself into the game. I think he needs to uh, maybe worry more about uh, what he's doing versus what everybody else is doing. It seems like he's uh, definitely uh, trying to uh, not, like, he doesn't seem to feel the ball right now. So, but he'll get back to it. He'll be fine. I'm not too worried about Brandon Banks. Uh, that being said, on the other side of the football, I think most of the talk this week in Saskatchewan has been about one person that's got the jersey number seven. That's Cody Fajardo of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I think we all know by now he's dealing with a knee injury. If it's a sprain, if it's some sort of small tear, I'm not sure. But he's hurting. There's no way that he's not hurting as a uh, quarterback. However... That being said, he's still number two in passing yards this year right now, only behind Zach Kalaros of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And let's face it, Cody does not want to go out. Uh, he He's pretty adamant that he's going to play these games. He, he wants to just keep going. We clearly can see that he's not running the football like Cody Fajardo can run a football, which is a big part of his game. This being said, if you're Craig Dickinson to, uh, right now, uh, I guess this is a two-part question, really. If you're Craig Dickinson, do you pull Cody Fajardo 
Tell them, get your knee better because you're not helping us by not being able to move the football effectively. And if you're Jeremy O'Day, is it time to consider bringing a second quarterback or a like a legitimate veteran backup quarterback into Saskatchewan? Uh, Trey, you go ahead. Yeah, let me just add one quick thing about Brandon Banks. Um, come November... Toronto's going to love having a guy like Brandon Banks and Andrew Harris on their team, though. That's all. That's the one thing I was going to add. Maybe he has a slow start, but the way the East is going, Toronto could easily be first or second. So having those two guys, you know, they don't. Who cares if they have a thousand yards and a thousand rushing? They're in the playoffs. They're the guys you want running against Hamilton, Ottawa, Montreal. But anyway, now to Fajardo. I'm worried about Fajardo. I was talking to Ryan about this. He's going to be the CFL Andrew Luck soon. He's going to retire maybe way before he should just because of his health. Who thought Andrew or Andrew Luck was going to retire at 29 or whatever it was, right, or 30? Fajardo, maybe his mentality says he doesn't want to, but his body might be telling him to. I love Fajardo. As a Bomber fan, Fajardo is one of my top players in this league. I just think he's had a bad break of, you know, he's had a decent O-line, but maybe not the O-line, or he should have. He's a running quarterback, and we know what happens. You play rough, tough West football. It's going to happen. We saw Caleros. He's how many head injuries he's, he had, and he's lucky to still be playing. But to the point of your question, yeah, you know, it, it's it's tough when they're sitting, what, they're sitting four and two? Four and two, and they're technically tied for second, but BC's right on their butts there, and you can miss the – Edmonton's not far behind. Edmonton can turn things around. You never know in the CFL. Uh, we saw Kahari have to pull the – trigger and you know and switch a quarterback you never know what saskatchewan's gonna have to do uh forgive me who is saskatchewan's backup is it that fines is that Mason fine and jake dolagala well i'll ask you adam you're the rough rider guy do you put one of those guys in over for jardo with a busted knee right now uh yeah i'll put mason fine in right now because i think he can probably at least have a second ability right now cody Fajardo is a one-dimensional quarterback he's got to throw the football or he has to hand it off to Jamal Morrow and or Frankie Hickson. Uh, to me, Saskatchewan is not the same offense with Cody Fajardo stuck behind the center and not being able to move properly. So to me, it's time to bring in Mason Fine. This being said, we know how Cody Fajardo got his job, right? He went, Zach Kalaros got hurt, Cody Fajardo went in, kept the job, and that was history. I bet you anything Cody Fajardo right now is thinking, if I get injured, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to be the next one that has to sit behind Mason Fine and then end up getting traded and winning two great cups? I think he'd like the two great cup parts, but nevertheless, uh, like I said, Ryan, what are you thinking on this uh, whole Cody Fajardo situation? Well, it's really interesting because Saskatchewan – is in that position of the pressure is on. You're hosting the Grey Cup this year. There's more pressure than usual from your fan base, from upper management, et cetera, to go out and make it to the Grey Cup and win it this year, right? And to do so, I think you're going to need a healthy Cody Fajardo. So the question then, because so then I kind of agree with you in that sense, you know, let him sit out for a couple of weeks, heal up the, you know, the injuries a little bit and uh, then have them ready for the big push down the stretch drive. The other side of it that you then have to manage is you're in a dogfight here in the West Division for playoff positioning, where can you afford to all of a sudden, you know, be without your starting quarterback? So do you weigh, you know, 
a couple of games and hope he, he, you know, sit him a couple of games, hope he can last the rest of the season or take the chance on putting him in now and then risk that he isn't. It's a, it's a tough situation that they find themselves in. And I wouldn't be surprised. He talked about the multiple quarterbacks, uh, you know, the, the hottest commodity in the league right now, at least among fans seems to be Vernon Adams jr. Of the Montreal Alouettes. And I have to wonder if uh, he truly is available if Saskatchewan isn't the team that all of a sudden starts calling and says, hey, what's it going to take to bring him in here? Uh, I don't think they're at that position yet. I think they will honestly play Cody Fajardo, uh, in my opinion. I think they will try to run with him until they can't anymore, and I think they may regret doing that. Um, but uh, that is uh, the, the injuries are definitely a concern to me. Yeah, I think it is too. And to me, I uh, if I'm Jeremy O'Day right now, I'm at least kicking the tires. I mean, I'd be phoning Montreal and saying, hey, what is the price on Vernon Adams? Maybe you don't want to pay it right now because I'm sure it's probably crazy, especially if Montreal has any inkling that Edmonton wants a quarterback, Hamilton may want a quarterback, and all of a sudden Saskatchewan wants a quarterback. Well, guess what? That price, asking price could be absolutely ridiculous right now for uh, Vernon Adams Jr., and uh, can't really blame any uh, blame my uh, coach, uh, coach slash GM Machocha. I mean, why wouldn't you try to get as much money and get value as you can for that player? If I'm if I'm Vernon Adams, or, or sorry, if I'm Danny Machocha right now, and I mean this will be moving on to our next uh, game of the uh, for uh, Thursday night, Montreal versus Ottawa. Uh, but I want to ask one question before that, just on Montreal themselves. If you're Danny Machocha, yeah, I know we're halfway in between them. For Danny Machocha, what is the asking price for Vernon Adams Jr.? Uh, Trey? I first want to add, I feel bad for Chris Strebler's agent. He probably has all calls from Canada blocked right now, uh, too, because <laughs> he's a guy, too, right, that might, you know, want to try the NFL but might see it. But Machocha, that's a tough one because I think the value – a couple couple Canadian draft picks for sure. And maybe a player now, like it could be something. And I, I really liked what you said though, jokingly about Fajardo going there's again, you said a couple teams. Don't you think a team like, Oh, Chris Jones who coached Saskatchewan might want a guy like that in, in Edmonton. So I like that idea, but ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah. I think a couple draft picks, a couple high round draft picks. I don't know. Does the CFL do cast considerations? Probably not. So probably some players now, the high draft picks, it, the price is going up. It's not the Juan Soto $450 million with the Washington Nationals, but it'd be pretty high for the CFL value, Ryan. Yeah, I don't even know if I would trade Vernon Adams, to be honest. If I'm Montreal, I, if I'm Danny Machocha, I'm looking at this as we're in the East Division, which is anybody's game right now for all the wrong reasons. Um, and I'm looking at it as, you know, I play decent football the rest of, we play decent football the rest of the season. We're making our way into the playoffs and it's a couple games away from making it to the gray cup with a chance to win it here. And what happens if Trevor Harris goes down? Are you comfortable putting Dominic Davis in that quarterback? I know he's started a couple games, you know, I, he's probably up there as my highest ranking third string quarterback uh, across the league or one of them where I actually would have a little bit of confidence in him uh, because I know what he's capable of, but I also don't have a lot of confidence because I know what he's capable of. So to me, I would almost, I don't see a problem in keeping both of them. And I think, you know, Trevor Harris, 
If he goes down, you throw Vernon Adams Jr. in there. He's had success with a lot of these pieces of the offense. And you're in the ground running here still for Montreal. So, yeah, I think the asking price should be high. As Trey mentioned, I would throw a couple draft picks in there, maybe a couple Ross, maybe a roster piece or two uh, here for Montreal because uh, I think their best move is keeping them. No, actually, you know what, Ryan? I'll probably agree with you if you're on the Montreal side of things. You're right. You're one game away from first place in the, uh, in the uh, what do you call, East. And, I mean, that's huge for them right now. I think uh, if you look at it, yeah, I, I mean, if, if they got Trevor Harris at a reasonable price right now. They've got a good uh, deal on that. And I think that you've also got, um, uh, like I said, you're one hit away from uh, Vernon Adams going in. However, if they, I don't know, let's say the Rough Riders or the uh, Elks have a really neat offer. I mean, I to me, it starts with a first. Uh, you're like the team's first instantly. Uh, and maybe even two firsts uh, the next year's as well. Plus, I would probably say a starter right now that you can use. May not be a Canadian, maybe an American, but I'm looking at if, if Saskatchewan came knocking and I'm Montreal right now, I would say your first-round pick and somebody like Keon Schaefer-Baker. And let's face it, you can ask the world if you don't really want to trade them, right? So to me... That's the asking price right now, probably for Vernon Adams, if I'm the Montreal Alouettes. If I'm the Rough Riders, I mean, obviously you want him as cheap as you can get him. But let's face it, I think it's going to become a bidding contest, depending on what happens here with Montreal. And this game here will say a lot about what's going to happen to Montreal. Uh, this game here is it play, going to be played in Ottawa this week. Uh, I think the first thing we need to talk about is it sounds like Caleb Evans and... Nick Arbuckle will get some time as uh, quarterback this week for Ottawa, from what I can hear. And um, more of a 1A, 1B, or just different packages. Uh, what are you guys thinking you want to see out of the quarterbacks out of Ottawa this week uh, compared to last week? Uh, Ryan, let's go with you first. Well, I, I find it interesting the yeah use both quarterbacks approach here because yeah you haven't won a game yet this season but the season's still young and I know it's probably a way of working Nick Arbuckle into the offense a little bit here and there but that's really not instilling much confidence in Caleb Evans who came out and played a decent game last week and uh, you know is uh, yeah he didn't get the win but they came close to getting their first win of the season doesn't really instill much confidence in the guy who's listed as number one on your depth chart right now. If you're going to say, yeah, both quarterbacks are going to go out and get some playing time. Like to me, that spells preseason game or that spells late season. Like you're out of the running for this game type of thing of how you're going to rotate your quarterbacks. And I don't think that brings uh, consistency to the team. I do think Nick Arbuckle should be the starting quarterback for this team. Uh, you know, as long as Jeremiah Mazzoli is out. But I think give him another week or two uh, to truly learn the offense here a little bit, not a half of this game and then throw him in in the second half type. Maybe it's the packages, like you mentioned, that we see a bit of both of them. But, uh, you know, I still do like a bit of what I've seen from Caleb Evans over the last season and then the last week's game. It's not perfect. It's not fantastic. But I do like some of the things I've seen from him. I like his maneuverability. So, I'm excited for him to be the number one on the depth chart. Hope he gets to play most of this game. Uh, Trey? You know, 
I understand what you're saying, but you look at the schedule here or the the standings. Montreal wins their two games up on them, and Montreal's then looking at BC Edmonton for the crossover. Like, yeah, it's early, and I, I get, I really hate that season doesn't start to Labor Day notion because it's two points now and it's two points in September, right? You got to win these games, and Ottawa, I guess it doesn't really matter. You got to run the damn ball, boys, right? You got to give it to Powell. You have William Powell as your running back. It doesn't matter who's quarterback in there. You have Lapo. Yes, he's head coach, but sure he could sprinkle a little of his magic TSN dust on there and get some plays going. And I just think it, I really hate the East guys. Like I, I try so hard to be respectful and, and like, you know, I love, I love the Eastern fans, but come on, like two and two is your best team right now. Like anyway, but Ottawa, zero and five, if they're going to go 0-6. I can't see them any way other than that. And 0-6, that's a huge dumpster fire to get out of, even if Montreal's 2-4, and four, right? So I think just you got to go with what you – I think you got to give Arbuck one more week to prepare, but then you're 0-6. Do you really think he's going to rattle off five, six, seven wins in the last remaining games to get you a playoff spot? Because you're not just fighting Montreal. You're fighting BC and potentially an Edmonton team if they bounce back, right? So – I think this is a big win here, a big game on Thursday night. And I think maybe you should give Arbuckle the week more to prepare, but you also want your best players out there. I'm really tough. I don't know. This is why I'm on a podcast and I'm on a CFL head coach, because I would actually never make these decisions. It's super easy when you play Madden. You just put in whatever quarterback you want. You get the Michael Vick cheat and you just run for a thousand yards every game. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm really, I'm, I'm really torn on this one. This one's tough, Adam. Um, well, I just, I'm sorry, I just want to hop in here with a couple of uh, comments here uh, that we did get in our live chats. Uh, we do have a comment from Richard uh, about the Vernon Adams uh, uh, talk earlier saying they should trade him because clearly the coaching staff doesn't have enough confidence in him as a starting quarterback. Yeah, I, I could see some, uh, some argument uh, uh, on that one there. Uh, and maybe we'll, we'll circle back to you here, Adam, and then lead into another question here, and you can go first on this one. Uh, Scott Westman on Twitter wanted to know, is Coach Lapo possibly on the hot seat uh, as we get into this game here? Uh, so what are you thinking on the quarterbacks and uh, on Coach Lapo? Well, you know what? I think in quarterbacks terms, I agree with both of you. You don't go and just put a guy in for a half. Uh, this isn't uh, high school football. This is CFL. Uh, put the guy in for the whole game. If he's your guy, go with your guy, ride your guy. Uh, now, I just said that right after I said Cody Fajardo should be pulled in and probably Mason Fine should be put in. So, you know, uh, look at me go. Anyways, uh, I'm going to say it like this, though. Uh, if you don't have confidence in Caleb Evans, just put Nick Arbuckle in for the game. You can probably figure out enough packages to run a very, uh, as Trey likes to know it, to call it vanilla offense, to get the game done and go and run it if you need to run it. If you think Caleb Evans knows more of the game package, run Caleb Evans all game and be done with it. Uh, I think probably myself, I don't think Paul Lapolis yet is on the hot seat, and there's a reason behind this. This is the first year that he's really kind of gotten some pieces with him. Last year, it was pretty tough. I mean... Let's face it, he didn't have much of a quarterback system in there. He didn't have much of a receiving core. Uh, his defense was, well, there wasn't much of a defense in Ottawa last year. Uh, it was a tough year last year. And now, that being said, Sean Burke did not hire Paul LaPolice as well. So that being said, maybe he's a little hotter than I think he is. 
But uh, from what all I can see in Ottawa right now, I don't think that uh, Paul Lapolis is right immediately on the hot seat. Now you go up to Labor Day and go 0-9, we'll talk then. I think then maybe definitely he's he's going to be considered to be on the hot seat. And let's face it, in the special teams, they've got Bob Dice, who uh, used to be a car, our head coach at one time in Saskatchewan, uh, where the hot seat is always hot. So I could see possibly that happening, but it won't be probably till Labor Day. Uh, Trey, what do you think? Is, is Lapo in the hot seat? I love Lapo, but he's not a head coach. And I think it it's very clear. He's, he's maybe one of the best OCs in CFL or coordinators in CFL, recent history anyway. Not a head coach. He's proven that in Winnipeg. He's proving that in Ottawa. Now watch, now watch them win the Grey Cup this year, and they're, everyone's going to circle this episode and be like, look at that idiot in the sexy stables hat uh, saying that he's not a head coach. But I don't think he's a head coach. Nice guy. His wife's not lovely. Stand-up people, not a head coach. So the hot seat thing, But who, like, I guess I see what you're saying internally, but externally, who do you replace him with? I think that's my kind of question. The one candidate that I thought maybe would replace him went to Hamilton as a cult consultant, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. You know, is there any head coach candidates out there if you're looking externally? So obviously they probably go interim for the rest of the year and then find someone next year. But who would you go with, uh, Ryan? Yeah, that's what I was just wondering about, too, is the coaching cap situation right now, too, right? Where, okay, Montreal, let Kahari Jones go. He's coming off the, pit, uh, you know, the, the books. Or, or, well, he's still on the books, even though you let him go midway through the season. But you bring that, da- like Danny Machocha takes over so they don't have to bring in somebody new. Well, Ottawa, yeah, again, you let Lapo go here midseason. You're paying him, you're, and then you're paying somebody else. Like Sean Burke's not going to take over the coaching role on top of the general manager role. You know, maybe you promote a guy within, like Bob Dice, like you talked about. So uh, from that standpoint, I wonder if, again, yeah, maybe it's not this season. Maybe it's next season, uh, in the off season if this year goes bad for for Ottawa that we uh, we see a, a changing of the guard here for them. But uh, as of right now, there's going to be a lot of talk of it as long as they keep losing. Uh, and uh, you have to wonder at what point that talk becomes too much before it becomes a reality. Absolutely. And I think it's uh, it's starting to come there. Maybe, uh, like Trey said, it might be coming sooner than you think. Uh, just because, you know, Lapo is. He's a great offensive coordinator. But uh, Coach... Yeah, that uh, remains to be seen. Anyways, uh, moving on quickly over to the Montreal Alouette side of the things because we've got another game yet to go, or two games yet to go through. Uh, the Montreal Alouettes, again, big problem with them has been discipline. Uh, another 125 yards given up to the Edmonton Elks the other game. Uh, let's face it, most of that was to Kenny Lawler because, you know, why not just grab Kenny Lawler and throw him to the ground if you can't defend him? Uh Seems like a legitimate strategy until the referees find out and throw some uh, uh, yellow uh, or red, uh, yellow uh, flags at you. So what does Montreal, and this is this has been an issue all year for the Malouettes. It cost them a coach already, uh, allegedly. What do you do if you're Danny Machocha uh, to, uh, what do you call, start correcting some of this issue? Uh, right? Uh, not what you did last game, because <laughs> like you said, yeah, that wasn't great. That was not good at all, and that was probably the reason they lost that game. I, I don't know what you do to 
to get that under control here so quick. That's uh, it's something where you know it's tough. I mean, you you gotta instill it in your team that you just can't take these stupid penalties. Like that's the biggest part of this. And, and maybe it's discipline. And maybe a guy sits for a little bit if he does. You know, if it's the same player taking these penalties over and over again. Well, maybe he needs to sit out at least a series or two and watch and see what the other guys in his place are doing uh, and why they're not getting flagged because they're following the, the rules, right? They're doing things properly. So I think that's part of it is just, yeah, instilling in the team that uh, you can't be taking these types of penalties and how you do that. You know, I'm not a coaching expert myself on, on exactly how you get that under control, but they need to get that under control quick, right? Whatever the football equivalent is to a bag skate, that's what those guys deserve. I don't know what the political – I used to call them suicide lines or ladders when you do run back and forth on the field and you got to touch the lines. If that's what they got to do, you got to learn discipline, boys. I, I don't I don't know what else I, – I, I don't know how else you teach it. That, that taught me. I got a holding penalty in high school football one time. After doing laps, never did it again, boys, right? So it, it, it's – Sometimes it's just that simple, uh, but you know these are adults and pro athletes. I don't know if that gets through to them all the time, but uh, seriously, more, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just that it's the garbage fire that's the East again. I don't know how you help with that. Their penalties are so unreal. Montreal should be a better team. I was high in Montreal all off season. I've been saying Vernon Adams could be the MOP. I could be saying Kahari could be the coach of the year. Well, Kahari's gone. Vernon Adams isn't the starter, so I'm not looking too good there. At least I had a four and zero weekend this weekend. I don't know. I don't know what you do to fix it. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm sitting here in between you guys talking about it. And I'm not on the head on the sidelines with a headset. I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish I knew because if, <laughs> if I knew I'd be calling Danny right now and saying, buddy, I got, I got you. I got the idea, but I don't have nothing. And other than a bag skate, right? You're at, Adam, you're the hockey guy. Is that not what the, get the guys on skates and make them run, do lines all day? Like, is that yeah, not what casters, you... I mean, let's face it. You got to do what you got to do, right? Uh, what is the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, guy on Karate Kid? What is his name? Uh, the, that always says you lack discipline. I can't remember, but anyways, uh, they need to hire that guy. Uh, because honestly, if I, you're right, Trey, I don't know what to say anymore. I mean, my team is just about as terrible for it. I mean, I won't name names of which team I'm talking about, but you know what? I mean, let's face it. Uh, it's a terrible situation for both of those two teams, Saskatchewan and Montreal, and they need to solve this because you can't give up 125 yards a game, period. Anyway. I, I will I will say the types of penalties we're talking about between Montreal and Saskatchewan are not even close to on the same level. We're talking about pass interference calls on a deep ball versus helmets thrown, spit takes. I mean, do you want me to go on here? <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Either way, it's still bad and you shouldn't take that many penalties. Uh, it just doesn't help your teams no matter what. And yes, no, Saskatchewan's are just absolutely atrocious. Mr. Miyagi, that is the name. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, yes, these teams are lacking discipline. They should be trained. Anyways, uh, moving on to the next game of the week. It's a Thursday night doubleheader this week. Yeah, if you can't get enough Thursday night football, we got two of them this week. Uh, Battle of the Felines. We've got the Hamilton Tiger Cats. 
on a short week traveling out to visit the BC Lions. Uh, not really advantageous there for the Havel the Tiger Cats playing on Saturday, then heading out on Thursday out to Vancouver to take on a BC Lions team that is very well rested, having a bye last week. Uh, I guess the first thing we need to bring up here today, uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, making a big acquisition this week, and the guy doesn't even play the game. Uh, used to, still coaches the game. Uh, they hire uh, Kahari Jones as their offensive consultant. Now, is this just a uh, Chris Jones, uh, you know what, we got enough, uh, we have all the uh, staff we can have, but if he's a consultant, he counts kind of thing. Irregardless, it's a great move, I think, for uh, Hamilton to bring in Kahari Jones. Uh, really quickly, guys, because we got the game to go through too, what do you think of the Kahari Jones uh, uh, addition there, Trey? I think it's mostly just so no one else can have them, right? Like we were talking about Ottawa could be, you know, how long is Lapo's leash? Uh, we look at other teams. Toronto, how long is Dinwiddie's leash if they can't, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's simply, and Montreal's not going to hire him back now, right? So it's it's to make sure no one in the East can have him, and no one in the West really has a spot for him right now. But I was wishing Kari could fit into the Bombers coaching staff somehow. I think that would be epic. I'd have a booster juice with him anytime, right? But uh, I think it's a good move, and I don't, you know, it's probably one of those things where they said, like, don't tell nobody, but you'll be a coach next year or next two years or something like that just stick with us kid and you'll be all right and I think it'll be fine and it might be the thing Hamilton needs to kickstart their offense like again how much is a consultant actually uh you know actually uh a good point Chris G Roy Simon was I believe but anyway um I think uh how how uh, how much is a consultant putting his input onto practice and putting his input into like actual day-to-day things I don't know that he could be on the practice whispering to coach O every two seconds, or he could just be in the booth and writing notes and they go over it once a week. You never know. Right. But either way, Gahari's the guy you want to have on your side, Ryan. Yeah, I agree. I do generally like that idea in sports of you can't have this guy. Cause we do. Uh, I like that tactic from teams. And I think that could be a little bit at play here. Uh, and I'm happy to see Kahari back in a role. I'm happy to see him in a role where he doesn't have the full responsibilities of head coach, where I think he can flourish the most. And that's as an advisor for the team, uh, on the offensive game plan, because I think that is something he's good at. And I think he suits an offensive coordinator role, much like I think Paul Apolise does. So, uh, kudos to Hamilton. It's a team where, yeah, I don't, haven't loved their offensive game plan this season. So I'm excited to see what impact he has. I don't know if we'll see him make much of an impact here, you know, in his first week on the job, but uh, uh, maybe later in the season, uh, we'll see, get a sense more so of uh, just how much uh, weight he has into the, uh, the game plan here. Yeah. You know what? Um, I'm, I'm excited for this one here. If nothing else, it gives uh, Dane Evans, another guy that used to play the game that he can talk to and uh, possibly work with a little bit. Let's face it, Orlando Steinauer was mostly, I believe, a defensive guy. I want to say that right, I think, when he was uh, when he played in the CFL. Uh, so, again, maybe there's a little bit of a disconnect between him and Dane Evans. Uh, if there is, got Kahari Jones there to go and try to set, calm everybody down and try to explain how things should work, uh, which is just great for, uh, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I think it'll help them. But what won't help them this week 
is Simone Lawrence is listed as out right now under the injury charts for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, as well as one receiver, Pappy White, is also out right now for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. This should be a complete blowout in paper right now. The BC Lions should be the dominating teams. But hey, guys, is there a way that Hamilton could possibly pull this one off? And if so, how do they do it, right? Well, it's the CFL, so it could happen at any point in time, right? Uh, yeah, a couple pieces missing uh, for Hamilton. You know, you mentioned a couple there. Anthony Johnson stepped in at wide receiver, had a good game for them last week, and he's out again this week as well. Uh, so Butler gets a start there at wide receiver. Ternowski in there, you know, just looking at the depth chart. So, yeah, it's a bit of a, a changing uh, of the guard from the usual there at receiver for Hamilton. A couple injuries here and there for them. Uh, and BC coming off the bye, you know, if you're banking on anything here, if you're the Ticats, you're banking on BC coming in slow off the bye uh here for them but i still think again hamilton is a better football team than they are on like on paper than they've performed so far this season and i i think there is still we are going to see some games where they are going to surprise us dane evans has thrown you know of the two like he's thrown two pretty good games so far where they've had the offensive outburst there they just have to clean things up and, and execute when it matters most in the game. And if all of a sudden he starts putting that together, well, then this starts becoming a dangerous Ticats team. Do I think they're going to beat the Lions this week? Well, you'll have to tune in later on in the show, I guess, to find out. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this game, and I think it'll be an interesting one. I don't think it's going to be as much of a blowout necessarily as we all think. I got two disgusting facts for you. And the first one's not as disgusting, five out of 10. Dane Evans has played one more game, but only has 68 more passing yards than Nathan Rourke. Nathan Rourke's played four, Dane Evans has played five. Number two disgusting fact, 10 out of 10. This is going to go back to Trey's keys to the game. The leading rusher on Hamilton is Dane Evans with 75 yards over five games. Where's the beat button? Because I'm going to start cursing. That is unreal. 75 yards in five games, and it's your quarterback. That is disgusting. You got to hand the ball off. And I hope Kahari is the one telling him that because Kahari had Charles Roberts hand the ball off. That's what you're going to do. If you want to beat BC, you got to hand the ball off. You got to take the ball away from Nathan Rourke. And how you do that? Time of possession. That's what Winnipeg did against Calgary. We've seen that. They had the ball like 60-some percent of the time. Tipped the ball away from Bo Levi. They won the game. Now the teams are a little closer there, but that's what Hamilton needs to do. You got to waste the clock, run the clock, chew up the yards, and their run game is non-existent. And you got to get some lucky defense and special teams to plays. Yeah, they could win. Yeah, they could cover the spread, but BC's going to win. Like, if there's perfect conditions... BC should win this game handily by the whatever seven or eight we'll talk about later. But Hamilton needs to run the ball. And I hope Kahari's whispering that into the OC's like headset, run the ball. But, you know, we'll see what happens. This part of Trey's uh, theory is brought to you by Sexy Stables. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we uh, I agree with you, Trey. They do need to run the ball quite a bit. And you know what? That's going to bring me to my point on how Hamilton can win a game. And Richard gave it up uh, just before I could say it. It'll be close if they don't turn over the ball. Uh, Hamilton right now is a negative, I think, 11, if I'm not mistaken, for turnover 
to uh, uh, pickoff ratio or turnover ratio. So when you're negative 11, you are not winning football games. Let's face it. Uh, you're giving your other team a short, uh, your opposition a short field on average, or you're just not uh, being able to do anything with it. So, yeah, that's the biggest point that I think it needs to be made. This Hamilton defense needs to start making some turnovers. Dane Evan needs to protect the ball. And by doing that, Trace Theory needs to come out and we need to see the ball being run because that will protect the ball a lot more than when it's in the hands of Dane Evans running around trying to make a play. So with that being said, this is the BC Lions' first game back after losing one uh, to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, even though they did have a buy-in between to think about it. What does BC need to do uh, to maybe move themselves up to that elite category uh, like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are at right now? Is there anything in particular that's wrong or is it just that they played a poor game against a very, very good Winnipeg team? Uh, Trey, you go first. Yeah, I don't think BC can prove anything this week. I think they could win 100 nothing in next week. Who do they play next week real quick? Saskatchewan. Next week, ask me this question. Next week and the week after, Edmonton again. Ah, Calgary in two weeks. Ask me this question then. That's the games they need to win this week. If they lose this week, then I think that whole, like, ooh, this is a super team talk should be thrown out the window a little bit. They shouldn't be losing these games against the – when they, what, the East has lost one game and it's tr Toronto and Saskatchewan, basically, is, like, the one or two games there. Like, uh, you know, I, I think that – sorry, I lost my thought. i got to stop looking at the group chat. I'm apologizing. I, I want to get in the people's comments, and I keep looking. But, yeah, I think uh, this is the week BC – this should be the game off the bye. They – they, they have minimized all their mistakes. They play a clean game, and then they go into next week against Saskatchewan. They get their momentum going. Another one against Edmonton, another one against Calgary. They establish themselves in the West. Right now, most of these East games are kind of the free bingo spot. Not 100% because it's sports, but they're turning into that a little bit. Sorry, Saskatchewan. Sorry. But maybe Toronto, a couple of these teams. But I don't know. I don't know if Hamilton's really got a shot in this one. Ryan's a little bit higher on him. I, I don't know. I was kind of higher on Hamilton too, but the East, I, I don't know what to say about the East no more. I'm finding, I'm finding myself running out of things to talk about. I rather talk about COVID right now. And I rather talk about, you know, the suspensions and all that stuff. I have nothing to talk about the East. Kahari Jones signing in Hamilton is the only good thing that's come out of the East right now. And Toronto winning in, in Atlantic Canada. Other than that, I don't really know. I want the East to prove me wrong. I want us to have a competitive Grey Cup. I don't want a nine and nine or eight and ten East team in the Grey Cup. I think that looks bad, but I don't. I think we're heading that way, and I think Hamilton's going to get shellacked by BC, and we're going to be talking about how BC's done nothing but beat up on the East, and their one real test was the loss against the Bombers, right, Ryan? I disagree a little bit that this week doesn't tell us anything about uh, the BC Lions being an elite team because elite teams need to win the games they should. And we can all agree that the BC Lions should be winning this game against Hamilton. Yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree, especially I believe BC is at home in this one. Uh, and they play better at home, especially when teams have to come out east uh, from out east uh, and play in BC. So I think to me, it shows two things. It shows... A, you can bounce back from a loss. You can come in off the bye, make sure you made the adjustments you need to make, go out and win a football game you should. And also alongside that, I think it also, you know, being a home game 
is the key to bringing the fans in in BC. You know, we had some great, uh, great crowd in the opener this year. We'll keep bringing them back by playing exciting football like you did. So if BC can come out and win, yeah, you know, by 20, 30 points like they did last time and show that they are truly an elite team, like, I think they'd still have the ability to do so in this one. And I, I think it will come down to just, you know, cleaning up some of those mistakes. We saw a couple of mistakes. I think they bounce back very well from mistakes is what we've seen so far. Against Ottawa, Nathan Rourke throws a couple picks, comes out, excellent end to the game in that one. They pull out the win there. Against Winnipeg, rough start to the game. Middle of the second quarter onwards, they started to play a little better. Not a great finish necessarily, but showed some bounce back there as well. So uh, I think, uh, you know, I think that is the key here for BC is to just uh, clean that up. Keep playing consistently the way you are. You're not going to blow every team out of the water like you did those first two games against Edmonton and BC. uh, Or sorry, Edmonton and Toronto. They are BC. Go out there, show you can win a couple gritty football games in a row, and then you're in the upper echelon with uh, with Winnipeg and Calgary right now. Absolutely. And, I mean, they just need to keep the things simple and keep it consistent. I mean, Nathan Rourke seems to be doing everything that he needs to do to win football games. Uh, Richard over in our chat goes and puts, BC needs to give uh, James Butler the ball more uh, than the last couple of games, and I agree with that. I mean, if you get the run game established, it's very hard to go in and all of a sudden defend for a pass. So, you know, Trace Theory is all back in. Again, brought to you by Sexy Stables. Uh, nevertheless, like I said, you've got a lot of uh, pieces that BC has to just keep going the way they are. Uh, there's really nothing wrong with the BC Lions right now. Yeah, you played a very tough uh, Winnipeg uh, Blue Bomber team that knows what it takes to win a big football game. And let's face it, Winnipeg came in motivated. They wanted to win that game, and they won that game. Now, it's the interesting thing is, what's your response? A good team's going to go back out and absolutely take it to the next team they play. So, in this case, it's the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You go out there, you play them extremely hard. Then next week, you forget all about the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and you walk into Saskatchewan and play them extremely hard. So, if you're the BC Lions, nothing needs to change. Just keep playing the way you are. And good things are going to happen for you. Um, anything else in this game, guys, or shall we move on? I think we should just move on to our last game that we're going to talk about this week. It is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers versus the Edmonton Elks. Uh, Winnipeg, of course, is flying high. Uh, 6-0. and Haven't seen any real issues yet. If you guys kind of put the finger to the run game. But nevertheless, uh, I guess the first thing to ask in this one here. Uh, everything points towards the Winnipeg Blue Bombers winning this one and winning this one handedly. Just the same questions I asked just for a little bit recent ago about the Hamilton Tiger Cats. In the famous words of Star Wars, is this a trap? Uh, right? Yeah, you know, the Bombers 6-0, and like, they are going to, I think, they're not going undefeated. Let's cut that out right now. There's no way the Bombers are going 18-0 this season. If they do, I'll be amazed. Uh, I think it is going to uh, come crashing down at some point, slightly, not full-on crash down. Do I think it's this week against Edmonton? No, but I am nervous about this game because you are facing a Chris Jones defense that's getting better and better, uh, presumably, in the last couple of weeks. The only thing is you're playing Taylor Cornelius, who has not played great in games against the Bombers last year. So am I... 
too concerned about a trap game here. No, but I think there is the potential for it, Trey. Well, I'm going to go with Anakin. I have the high ground back, and Winnipeg has the high ground on Edmonton. And sorry, Ryan, I'm going to spoil a lot of Star Wars things here, but Winnipeg's going to cut the arms and legs off of the Anakin-Edmonton team so bad and leave them in the rubble of the of the uh, planet. Mustafar, there we go. Got it going here. But, um, yeah, I like that one. You got me there with that one. Um, the only thing Edmonton's going to win, and this is no slight to uh, Winnipeg social media game, Edmonton wins the social media game. All those uh, Photoshop pictures, I like it. Thank you. We are nerds. Uh, you know, stick with us here. Uh, we could talk about – we should have, like, after-hour Star Wars talk or something. But, um, yeah, I, I rather talk – when it comes to Edmonton, I rather talk about how they tagged the Jets instead of the Bombers on their uh, social media thing. That was a big discussion today, why they tagged the Jets. But maybe it was a good point. Victor Kiwi seems like a smart guy. I don't think he'd let something like that fly by accident. But uh, Well, hang on. He, he did tweet out the picture last week of his handshake with Gary Stern with a paper in the background saying Vernon Adams trade on it on the to-do list that was quickly removed and was uh, there was a Three Down Nation article on this. So maybe he's not quite as savvy on the social media. I still don't don't believe that. I I like to think these guys know what they're doing. I like to think they know what they're doing. That stirs a little buzz. He wants to see what the fan base thinks of that. And then if the fan base says, yeah, we want Vernon Adams, then maybe he's willing to give up an extra first round pick for it, right? I think those guys, I think these guys know more than they want. I think all Gary Stern's uh, grammar and spelling errors are all intentional. I don't think he means that by accident, not none the least, spelling Winnipeg with an extra E. But um, back to the game. <laughs> I think, what was the question? Guys, so lost. It's a trap game? Yeah, it, it could be. It very well could be. Um, Edmonton, um, oh, when did Edmonton win last? They won last week. They're coming off a big win. Guess against Montreal. Um, against Gary, uh, Gary Stern. They're, they got some momentum. Could happen. Uh, they're home. You know, they don't have to deal with IG Field. I think if this game was in Winnipeg, I wouldn't think of a trap game as much. Uh, but they could get some fans behind them. Well, you know what? I'm thinking right now if uh... – Winnipeg comes into Edmonton right now and uh, they land in Edmonton. I think they're going to see some deflector shields up over uh, RV, our uh, uh, brick field over in Edmonton. Yeah, I went there. Anyways, uh, the reason being is they actually, I think it looks like it's going to happen this week. Daron Carter will make his debut as an Edmonton elk this week. Don't ask me the number. I don't know it. Ryan is already excited because he's figuring out a way of putting him as a quarterback this week. Uh, nevertheless, uh, what do you guys are thinking about Deron Carter making the transition? Uh, sounds like he's going to be used in a few different plays. Let's face it. Chris Jones will never give you a straight answer if he can, especially with a guy like Deron Carter. But what do you guys think overall of defensive end Deron Carter? Uh, Trey? I love it. I love Duran Carter. I'm I'm happy he's back. I think use him as much as he can. Um, heck, even put him in the mascot outfit for a little bit when they're when they're not using him. Right, get him out there everywhere he can. And um, yeah, Mister Difference Maker. I like that. He was the guy that I said 
I wouldn't mind if he was on the Bombers, honestly. Like, I don't know if he would fit into the O'Shea scheme and the Wade Miller, what they kind of built. But if they shaped him up and said, leave the weed at, the, like, you know, at home and don't bring it through the airport, I think he would fit in well anywhere. And, um, yeah, I, I, I like what he does. Yeah, he's Mr. Bounce around too. But, again, I think it's the off-field things that keep him that way. But on field, you sometimes just got to do it. We saw Cleveland Brown, you know, they took a guy with some big off-field issues and it might pass up. We see it in all the other leagues. Sometimes you just got to go with a guy who has off-field issues. And I, I like Deron Carter. I wouldn't even be surprised if they put him in on a third and inches as a quarterback. Honestly, like I honestly wouldn't even be shocked. And and I would throw Ryan's uh, Ryan's uh, charts all into chaos. How do we count Deron Carter? We're always we're already worried about how Kai Loxley is considered. How do we put uh, Deron Carter? But yeah, he's a guy I think could be a difference maker. But I still think we're gonna go back to Star Wars here. I still think deflector shields could be up, but the Bombers are still gonna find that one yard by one yard thing and blow up the Edmonton Elks Death Star pretty quick. Uh, Ryan. I should just add, Trey, that don't forget, they are referred to originally as the Evil Empire. So there is that. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. They're going to find that little hole. It's only the size of a womp rat, right, on the on the, on the Tatooine. I'm going to have to watch Star Wars so I understand what you guys – That's been, that's been your long con ploy this entire time. I love it. Um I'm excited for when the depth chart comes out for Edmonton this week. I trust what's on it, 0%. Uh, it would be kind of funny if you see Deron, if you just see a depth chart with Deron Carter listed at every position on the field. I would like to see them do that, <laughs> maybe as a backup uh, everywhere. But uh, uh, I am really intrigued to see where he, uh, where he slots in here. I presume it's going to be at defensive back, but they're also without a couple of receivers. Darrell Walker's not ready to go for this game. He's out due to injury. Uh, Kyle Oxley is actually out with injury this game as well. Uh, they dumped Shy Ross off to, uh, they let him go. He went off to BC. So do we see Duran play a couple plays at wide receiver? I wouldn't be surprised with Chris Jones. You know, with Chris Jones, I mean, let's face it, if the guy can do a 4-3-40 and can jump pretty high, he'll take him on his team and put him in and fit him in somewhere. Uh, let's face it, I'm just thrilled to see Deron Carter back in this league. The league is a million times more fun if you've got Deron Carter in this league. I don't care where he plays, how he does it. He's just a fun guy to watch on the field. He's a fun guy to watch off the field a little bit as well. I'm, I'm just thrilled he's back to be honest with you, and I hope all the best for him, uh, whether it be uh, intercepting uh, Zach Kalaros this weekend for a pick six, or if it's uh, him going and uh, throwing the game-winning touchdown to Kenny Lawler. Okay, that last one probably won't happen, but nevertheless. Uh, I think that's it for the games, though, this week, because we brought up the uh, uh, Toronto Argonauts. I guess there was one other little thing you wanted to bring up, Trey. Uh a crazy proposition for a trade uh, for Vernon Adams into Edmonton. Trey Ford. What would you, well, and, and I only say that because he, because again, is Chris Jones, a guy who wants to win now. And that, that's the only reason why I bring it. Does Chris Jones really care about next year? And that, that's the only reason why I bring that up. 
because he doesn't seem like a guy who cares about next year or the next year after. He'd go back to the NFL next year. He'd go back to the NFL two years. Does he really care? Does he want one more great cup? That's the only reason I bring up that wacky trade. And Ryan likes it. Adam doesn't by the face. So I'm curious. I like how I have the two, my uh, the, the angel and the devil on my shoulder right now, liking and disagreeing with it. I, I don't know if I actually like it. I'm just hemming and hawing it in my head as you're mentioning it. I don't know if I want to give up Trey Ford for, for Vernon Adams. That being said, I'm a huge Vernon Adams fan. So I can, I can see merit to it. It's intriguing, right? Like I'm just saying it, 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 again, you want to win now versus next year, you get a guy like Vernon Adams and he could maybe slide Edmonton into the playoffs and then, and yeah, you lose Trey Ford, but Trey Ford's not going to maybe slide you in the playoffs this year. Right. It depends on what Chris Jones and Victor Cui really want this year, right? Like that, that we're going back to that little checklist. How much does Victor Cui want Vernon Adams Jr., right? And he tested the waters by accidentally posting the picture. You know what? I just, uh, depends what you're going to use Trey Ford in the long run, in the, in the future. Are you using Trey Ford, the quarterback, as a quarterback and strictly as a quarterback, and that's what he's going to be eventually if he runs him as a mobile quarterback, fine. Or are you eventually thinking Trey Ford, the wide receiver, and you're going to switch him into that position and you're going to make a uh, great wide receiver out of him? I mean, he's got the size and the right spots for being a wide receiver and the speed and everything else. If you're planning on making him into a wide receiver, this year doesn't matter as much no matter what. And maybe Edmonton already looks at this as a rebuilding year. Uh, they've got a good assistant in, G- in G. Roy Simon to figure these things out as well. Uh, because let's face it, if you just had uh, Chris Jones doing Chris Jones stuff, you'd have 52 guys in and 52 guys out every week. Uh, so I think that if cooler heads would prevail, I don't think Trey Ford would be the pick that they, let's face it, Montreal's going to tell me, yeah, we want Trey Ford. Uh, but I don't think that's the answer uh, for Edmonton right now is Trey Ford for Vernon Adams. They are they aren't a win-now team, Edmonton. And let's face it, they might want to just see what they have uh, on their roster for the remainder of the season. I mean, it could be Taylor Cornelius. It could be uh, uh, Kai Loxley maybe is what they're looking at. Maybe they're looking at Deron Carter to make those uh, gadget plays like uh, Richard just kind of gave up there earlier on the uh, chat. You know what? Um, no, it's not Jerome Carter. But it's one maybe of one of those two guys. And again, Taylor Cornelius, maybe. And maybe when Trey Ford comes back, they know that he's going to be the guy that they want to really take a look at uh, before they make a really serious trade. Because let's face it, you make that trade and you think you have an opportunity to win now, you're stating that you're all in right now. And I don't think Edmonton is. I'm just saying. I was the one who went 4-0 last weekend on picks, guys. I did I, I did take a hunch, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. It was just a wacky, had a couple of Alexander Keith kind of trade in my head where I'm like, is that something that they might consider? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but again, it depends on what they want. Victor Cooey wants fans in the seats now, and does Trey Ford on the injured list or however what he's doing do that? Vernon Adams might, right? So that's all I'm saying, guys. I agree with both of you. I do, but it's a it's definitely a trade that if I got as a GM, I would him and haw at. I'd be like, maybe it depends on what you want to do. But we'll move on to uh, on fantasy here. I think. Oh yeah, no, I definitely I agree there that uh, it's an interesting one to consider. I admire the and appreciate the creativity on that one. 
So, uh, so Trey, just so I know, we got through a new hope uh, during this Edmonton one. Uh, which I guess next we're gonna go to the Empire Strikes Back for next week. You know what? But I threw a little bit of uh, episode three at with the I got the high ground, so we kind of jumped all over, eh? So I don't know where we're gonna go. <laughs> and you, you don't never have... know with this show. You'll have to tune in to find out. Absolutely. You don't have Disney Plus, so we can't go with any of the Disney Plus exclusives, right? We can only go with the nine episodes. Perfect. Perfect. Let's move on to our CFL fantasy talk here. Let me pull the charts up on the screen. And that should be showing up there now. I think that's readable, right, boys? We can see the things on the screen. Uh, let's take a look at the quarterback options here first. Uh, if you are listening to the uh, audio version of the podcast, uh, go check out the version on YouTube. I've got charts up here, prices for every player. They're their average points per game, how much they scored last game, and their full value threshold, which is uh, basically two and a half points for every $1,000 you spend on the player. If you can hit that total, you're getting the good bang for your buck. You're on your way to a 100-point week, which should put you in the upper echelon of players in fantasy. Let's take a look at the quarterback options. Guys, this is a bit of a tough week with fantasy because we don't know what's happening with that Toronto-Saskatchewan game. It is the final game of the week. I would hope we get an official announcement early enough on that one to impact things before you have to set your lineups. We also have two Thursday night games, uh, which makes it extra interesting here. So, uh, of course, stay tuned on that. Be weary of that. But uh, at the quarterback position, uh, Nathan Rourke is the most expensive uh, one available here at 13129 Uh Cody Fajardo, 10295 Again, might be injured. Who knows if he's ready to go. Zach Caleros at just over 9200 Dane Evans at 8500 Trevor Harris, 8450 Caleb Evans, 8194 McLeod Bethel-Thompson, just over $8,000. Taylor Cornelius at 7246 and Mason Fine. I threw him on here because who knows if Cody Fajardo is going to be ready to go uh, at 7000 or kind of the quarterback field you're looking at. Don't really love very many of these picks this week, if I'm being honest. I don't like taking the chance on Fajardo's injury. I don't love Mason Fine right now. Taylor Cornelius against the Bombers. I'm expecting a couple interceptions there. The ones I lean towards this week, maybe Caleb Evans, who did pick put up a couple rushing touchdowns last week, put up a good total. I think, Trey, you might have had Caleb Evans in your fantasy lineup last week. That paid off well for you, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and so I kind of like that play, especially if Montreal is going to keep taking those interference penalties and get you close to that goal line. Um, Dane Evans? Can he go out and put up a big game like he did last week? I don't know. I'm hemming and hawing a lot of these picks. If I'm going cheaper, I'm, I'm liking Bethel Thompson potentially, but who knows if that game happens. I would lean maybe Caleb Evans here, maybe Dane Evans, or spend about $800 more and go with Zach Caleros. Zach Caleros looks like a decent play to me. Normally, I shy away from him in fantasy, but the passing game is the key point for the Bombers now. They don't run the ball enough. They don't succeed at running the ball enough, where Caleros has now twice this season thrown over 300 yards. He threw over that once in the past 20 games for him. Puts up touchdowns, doesn't throw too many interceptions. I kind of like Caleros. He averages 15.7. You need roughly 23. 
That's what I'm looking at this week. Uh, Nathan Rourke, really expensive. Sure, he's averaged 30 points on the season. I, uh, if the lineup works for it, I'm maybe fitting Nathan Rourke in, but not uh, establishing the roster around that. Uh, how about you guys, Trey? Not right now. I'm probably going to go back to my Caleb Evans. I would take Bevel Thompson once I find out if that game's happening or not. Uh, yeah, but I think it's between those two. I do like what you say about Zach Caleros. Could be the game where we don't know what we're seeing in Edmonton. Is uh, is Deron Carter really going to stop? You know, come, Is he, him alone going to stop the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Probably not. He could have a pick. He could have some impact on offense. But I'm probably going to go back to Caleb Evans. See, quarterback's a tough one. We do, we do it first. But I honestly put the guy in that I have enough money for at the end. I, I do all the other positions. And then I just throw the quarterback in. That's one reason why I went with Caleb Evans last week. So he's probably going to be my guy again, Adam. Yeah, I'm looking actually the same as all of you guys. I'm looking at Claude Bethel-Thompson. If that game goes, which I'm having a hard time seeing it possibly going. So right now, I have not, just so you guys all know, I haven't selected anybody from Toronto or anybody from Saskatchewan while building my roster this week so far. Uh, right now, I'm going with Zach Kalaros. I think that he can have a big game against the Edmonton Elks uh, and can possibly just get a lot of good points in there very quickly. I mean, Greg Ellingson seems better and better every week. Uh, same thing also with Dalton Schoen. And every time they get points, it uh, means that usually Zach Kalaros is getting points right behind him. So right now, I'm looking at Zach Kalaros. Uh, maybe I'll switch that, but I don't think so right at the moment, unless that Saskatchewan-Toronto game is going to go on later on this weekend. I think I'm going to go with Zach Kalaros. Yeah, Rich, Richard in the chat mentions that uh, correctly that Nathan Rourke is averaging pretty much double of every other quarterback here in terms of fantasy points for this season. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed by it, but I'm so scared to spend that money on Nathan Rourke because I expect it to go crashing down. He put up 19.1 last game against the Bombers. Still a good total, but just doesn't cut it at that price even if you're hitting that. So. There is still a very decent possibility that once I finish maneuvering with my roster the, for the 97th time this week before the games start, that I end up with him as my starting quarterback. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's it's a tough one to justify the price there on Nathan Roy. Let's take a look at the running backs here. Uh, Jamal Morrow, the most expensive at 93.29. James Butler right behind a couple hundred short uh, on that. Uh, Andrew Harris at 86.94. Then you get the big drop off to William Powell at just under 6,900. Don Jackson, 6,500, uh, of course, roughly. Uh, big drop off again. Sean Thomas Erlington is back up 5,107. Jeshran Antwi, 49.30. Brady Oliveira, 47.59. Walter Fletcher, starting running back for Montreal, 43.02. Frank, and then we get into a couple backups. Uh, Frankie Hickson and Johnny Augustine are sitting around $4,000. Uh, Sherman Beatty, uh, 3500 for Edmonton, did put up 12.1 last week. Uh, I thought he went down with injury in that game, but he has not been on the injury report this week. So uh, I want to see that depth chart when it comes out. Maybe he gets the start there. Uh, and if not, I wonder if newly acquired Malik Irons, who's $2,500, gets the start, or if it's Anthony Milanovic-Litre there. But 
Running back this week, I mean, the plays of Jamal Morrow and James Butler are always tempting. They put up good averages. Their averages are well and above everybody else on the season. I like Morrow this week if the Riders play because Cody Fajardo is injured right now. Uh, Clearly, whether or not he plays, I think they need to lean on Jamal Morrow. And they have been leaning on him quite a bit all season, right? He's averaging 19.7 points a game. I, I like Morrow as that play. I think he's a lock for at least a touchdown in there generally. Uh, so if you're going high-priced running back, I like that. Other plays I like, uh, I like Walter Fletcher again. He's averaged 9.8 on the season at $4,300. You need 10.8 if he's the starting running back, which I believe he is. Uh, I really like Fletcher. I saw a lot of good things from him last season when he was with Edmonton, and I, I am very excited to see him get more of a role in that Montreal offense. So those are kind of the two main ones I'm leaning towards now. Might need to do a bit of rethinking, uh, obviously, if uh, Toronto Saskatchewan is uh, not a go for this week. But uh, what are you guys looking at at uh, running back? Let's start with you, Adam. You know, right now I'm taking a look at James Butler. The reason being is, I just think that James Butler somehow carved through that Hamilton defense. Traditionally, Hamilton has had a very good run defense, but uh, that one might be my gamble this week is picking up James Butler, seeing what he can do. Uh, the other piece that I picked up, I picked up last week, uh, Frankie Hickson. Yeah, that didn't go over well for me. That I think he got one catch for 10 yards. So that didn't end well. So I'm going to probably take a look around a little bit here. Um, thinking about Walter Fletcher possibly uh, for Montreal, just because I think he can also get a few good yards into there. Uh, it's very tough if exact if that game against Saskatchewan and Toronto doesn't happen, because then you lose Morrow, then you lose Andrew Harris, you lose out on Frankie Hicks, and if he was going to get anything. Plus, you also have the Calgary guys out already, which is Kadeem Carey. And uh, I'm sorry, my brain has just lost it right at the moment. Uh, Peyton for Logan. Peyton Logan. So both of those guys would be out. So that means that there's a lot of uh, running backs that are gone that are really good pickups usually. And, uh, yeah, I know my weekly fantasy might be suffering because of it. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking at Walter Fletcher kind of right now as well as uh, Butler. Trey? Yeah, right now I have uh... – William Powell, I'm pretty sure I've wet with him the last few weeks. I'm hoping they finally give him the ball in Ottawa. And I'm him and Han between two guys. I'm hoping Kahari whispers in Hamilton, run the ball. So I'm between Thomas Erlington or Don Jackson. Running backs were those positions I really don't want to spend the money. Like, we, you know, we're looking at the list here. Ah, yeah, I don't want to go with Jamal Morrow. Don't know if that game's going to happen. Do I really want to spell, uh, spend nine grand on James Butler? Probably not. Do I want to spend 8500 on Harris and him not play? Probably not. So, you know, I'm looking down the list here. Do I want to go with the Bomber guys who get 30, 40 yards and they split it? Probably not. So I'm looking at, yeah, I think William Powell and someone from Hamilton right now is my picks. Yeah, and, and for me as well, you know, you mentioned a good point about some of those top running backs potentially not even playing this week. Uh, it very may well be that uh, when I see that Edmonton depth chart come out in the coming days that I'm looking at Sherman Beatty or one of the guys at the, the bottom price here. Yeah, Winnipeg's got a decent run defense. Uh, Kadeem Carey ran well but Kadeem against them last week, but Kadeem Carey is kind of upper echelon of the league. Uh, I... 
still think he could be, you know, whoever's starting running back could be used in a couple check down passes. It's a cheap play. If you just want to punt the position, get a couple points there. I, I like one of the Edmonton running backs, uh, whoever starts. Uh, let's take a look at wide receiver here. Uh, lots of options to pick from at wide receiver as always this week. Most expensive uh, kind of upper priced receivers are Eugene Lewis, Kenny Lawler, Greg Ellingson, Dominic Rimes, Lucky Whitehead, uh, Braylon Addison. Uh, let's go Tim White and Jalen Acklin. Those are ones all over $7,000. Um in terms of guys uh, I like at those upper prices, I mean, I do like the BC players. If that BC offense can go off again, Dominic Rimes has been a force last game. He put up 31.6. I think he had a massive game the week before as well. Uh, he, if we, uh, if we uh, sort our charts here by, by average, you know, second highest average per game behind, well, a guy who played one game and had one good week last week. So, uh, you know, Dominic Grimes has been a pretty good player this season. I think he could be worth the value if BC has another explosive effort. Greg Ellingson, go-to guy in Winnipeg, catches literally everything. Only thing is he is questionable for Friday night's game uh, for uh, for Hamilton here, or for Winnipeg here. So, uh, yeah, Greg Ellingson, uh, if he isn't, I like that potentially that potential option here as well. Um, but, uh, what are you guys looking at, at these upper priced receivers, Adam? Yeah, I'm really looking at nobody right now up in the higher end of receivers, just because I'm trying to figure out a way of, uh, playing again, Zach Kalaros and James Butler. I mean, that's, a, that's 18,000 right there alone. So if you're going to pay that big amount for those two, uh, yeah, don't take a high-priced receiver, essentially. Uh, if I was really forced to look at one, I would mean Craig, Greg Ellingson right now would probably be my choice just because, again, he's playing a Edmonton defense that I think can be exposed. And, uh, yeah, I don't think their defensive back that's probably going to be covering Greg Ellingson uh, might make an interception and celebrate it afterwards, but uh, he might be busy also playing offense. So, you know what? Uh, yeah, maybe Ellingson, if I had to pick somebody on this list here, uh yeah go with that true yeah i know you took every word out of my mouth i'm not taking a single person unless maybe greg allenson if i had the space but right now i don't let's go to the next section and i got a couple names for you that i have in that one all right one guy i want to mention the last one i included in this list jalen acklin's an interesting one to me because uh even with caleb evans he was the go-to receiver last week and if he's lining up against Wesley Sutton of the Montreal Alouettes, who Kenny Waller lined up against last week and, and, you know, had a pretty good game and drew a lot of penalties there, there could be something. Maybe they try throwing in his direction more often. So kind of like the Jalen Acklin play potentially for Ottawa there. But uh, as Trey mentioned, let's move on to the next section here uh, of prices. Keon Schaefer-Baker's at uh, just under $7,000. You got Stephen Dunbar Jr., Jake Winicky. Uh, around 6,600, Devaris Daniels, uh, Curly Gittens Jr., Brandon Banks, all between about 55 and and uh, $6,200 there. A couple Argos receivers. Javon Katoy is 56.17. Chandler Worthy, uh, just over 5,500. So is Markeith Ambles. Uh, Darvin Adams at over five, that just over 5,100. Keon Hatcher, and Rashid Bailey and RJ Harris at around 4,800. Manny Arsenault, 
Nate Bahar and Dalton shown also over $4,000 here. So uh, a lot of names there thrown at you uh, this week. Uh, Keon Hatcher has been a big player for the BC Lions this season. He comes up at $4,893. Had a bit of a drop-off game last time against Winnipeg. Uh, he only put up 2.3 there, but I expect him to potentially you know, get back into that same rhythm we've seen him in. I do like that play there with Keon Hatcher. If you can fit him in at a middle price, uh, not touching any of the Toronto receivers this week. Uh, probably generally I stay away from them as well. Uh, Schaefer Baker don't love it as much. If uh, Cody Fajardo is not healthy and ready to go, or if they're not playing, I still like Steven Dunbar. I put him in my lineup last week. He performed well. He picked up a touchdown. He put up 13. He's averaging 13.7 points on the season, and you need 16.6. So, yeah, I'm looking at a lot of the same guys I have in recent uh, times. I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at Dunbar. I'm looking at Keon Hatcher. And the last one we included in this range, I'm looking at Dalton Schoen, who stepped back you know, a little bit with that 5.4. Uh, last week, but uh, is still averaging 13 points on the year, which is uh, well over his total. So, Trey, you had a couple names here in the middle of the pack. You said uh, any of the them that we I haven't touched on here already. Well, yeah, you took two of them, Shone and Hatcher, but, man, you don't even have this guy on your chart. Deron Carter is my flex player, man, because we know if he's getting any gadget plays, he's going for yards and probably a touchdown. So I'm putting Deron Carter in my uh, flex. I'll take the 5,300 hit there. Uh, Adam, what about you, man? Gold Dernich, you beat me to the punch on that one there. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at Deron Carter and actually seriously considering this. Uh, maybe I'm just going insane and maybe I just want uh, to let the, uh, what do you call, Argos fan cast have a uh, will over there. Have a good night because I am really thinking about uh, Deron Carter in there. And it's only because of the offense, uh, namely, uh, to see what happens there. If he does get in the offense, I don't think he give you, it'll give you defensive points, I believe, in this. Uh, but if I really do go with this right, uh, yeah, uh, Keon Hatcher is a great choice. I mean, let's face it, he's a, he's been getting you lots of points whenever he seems to be out there. Uh, last game, he didn't have much, but I mean... He was also playing a very good uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense. Uh, Dalton Schoen's another good choice as well. I was looking actually at Drew Wolitarski earlier in the week. I um, think I might stay away from that one, but uh, we'll see what happens here throughout the week. Actually, I'm amazed, though. Dalton Schoen is now worth more than Drew Wolitarski. Yeah, he, he's moving up the ranks here a little bit. And, uh, you know, as I always say, uh, and as we always say on the podcast, uh, don't bet the farm on anything we tell you here, especially when the guys tell you to take Deron Carter. Uh, of course, uh, Deron uh, is a fun little interesting play. And uh, power to you guys. Uh, do I recommend it? Do I think he's going to hit the value? No, not necessarily. But it would be fun to see him do that most definitely. Um, as we take a look at the, uh, uh, the lower price receivers here, I, I like Reggie White Jr. still at 3496. He's averaging 8.7 on the season. That's what you need out of him. Um, and that is the perfect amount you are looking for from Reggie White Jr. I think you can hit that against Ottawa's defense. Uh, other cheap receivers, 
I mean, we got to talk about Carlton Agadosi of the uh, of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Came in one game last week, put up 25 points in that game. All you need is 6.3. He's 2,500 bucks. I'm willing to take the chance on that. I guarantee if he's in the lineup, which I don't see why he wouldn't, uh, you have almost the perfect, like you have the almost the Ryan stamp of guarantee here. Not quite, but almost that he is getting a pass thrown his way near the end zone, probably the same route into the back of the end zone again. And uh, I see him coming down potentially with a touchdown pat, a catch there. So I, I like Agadosi for a real cheap play this week. I also really like Cam Phillips for the Argos if they play. He put up 21 last week. He's averaged 10 points, uh, and you need 6.3 there as well. So those are the cheap plays I'm maybe looking at here. I could see people looking at Josh Pearson of the Lions. I believe he is doubtful to play in this one, so uh, maybe stay away from that pick there. But uh, uh, let's go to you here, Trey. Uh, what, what are you looking at in terms of cheap play receivers here this week? Anybody catch your eye? Oh, man, my roster's already filled up. Jerron Carter takes all three receiver spots. Uh, but no, yeah, these the show the late the lower guys are an interesting one. I don't know where you started. I'm sorry, I had to go away for a second. Maybe um, Janarian Grant, if that fits in that one. He got into a little bit of the Blue Bombers offense last week. I kind of liked what I saw there. They had the sweet plays. I'm not sure if he's a receiver, if that counts. But whatever, maybe I don't know. But you know, as long as he's in the offense, and I think the points on his special teams counts, right? So that's a guy can never go wrong with any of the Phil Potts. They're very athletic. Uh, Tyson's down there at twenty five hundred. So maybe if for some reason I feel Deron Carter's not you know fitting my team's raw uh, team uh, my team's scheme, maybe I'll go with one of those guys. And I think we lost Adam eh? or yeah, I believe Adam is frozen. We will work on getting him back in here, uh, hopefully shortly. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, interesting options, I think, in CFL fantasy. I like what you mentioned about Janarian Grant because I'm always intrigued about the return guys because if they break a couple long ones, that can hit well. And even if they get involved in some plays on offense, Grant did this week uh, write a couple run plays there. Um, so, uh, interesting play there. Let's move on, uh, in the meantime, while we try to get Adam reconnected, we can maybe revisit his, uh, wide receiver picks later on. Uh, let's look at the defenses here again, no stats, uh, on the sheet here, uh, quite yet. Still working on that piece for the defenses. Uh, but the Bombers are the most expensive at 4,397 BC in at 4,216 Saskatchewan at 4,176. Uh, Ottawa at 33.57, Toronto, Montreal, Hamilton at 3,200. If you have room price-wise, you got to think the Bombers are a play here, right? Uh, they gave Taylor Cornelius nightmares last season in the games he played against them. Uh, they are uh, one of the top defenses. They make a lot of plays. If they can hang on to the ball on those darn uh, circus interceptions, it seems like there's a ping-pong three-man interception every single game for the Bombers. If they can hang on to more of those, uh, they would be successful there. But uh, I like the play of Winnipeg this week at defense. If I'm going a high-priced one, it's probably that. If I'm going for a cheap one, well, I went Montreal last week thinking it was a good play against Edmonton and uh, didn't really work out there. Uh, I don't know if I really love any of the cheap plays this week. So I'm kind of leaning bombers here now. Maybe it's, uh, you know, if Toronto's playing this week, I'm going with the Argos 
defense. Uh, if Fajardo's not in and ready to go, maybe I'm going the, the Argos direction there. But uh, uh, Adam, I see you're back now. Uh, are you here? I think I'm here. I hope I'm here. Can you hear me? You I are here, yeah. Right here. All right. Yeah, um, was there anything else you had to add on the wide receivers, or do you want to just give us your take on the defenses here? I'll just throw real quick there. Uh, Terry Williams was one that I got a little bit of interest in. Uh, looked pretty promising there for the Ottawa Red Blacks. It seems like he has a consistent nine points a game, so that's kind of cool. Uh, he's only caught, would cost you eight points a game if you want to do it that way. Uh, so he's one that I'd be maybe a little interested in, as well as Cameron uh, Teakway. I hope I say that right. I probably said butchered his name, and I apologize from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He looked pretty interesting as well, just because, again, 2500 bucks and uh, big pay, play potential. And if Zach uh, sees him, he's probably going to hit him again. Uh, in the defensive side of things, though, uh, right now I went with the BC Lions just because I think that they will have a field day against uh, Dane Evans. That being said, I might go cheaper yet here. We'll see what happens. Uh, and if I do, it probably will be the Ottawa defense. They're a little bit less uh, money. But, uh, yeah, right now I'm lining up with the BC uh, defense. Trey. Uh, quick note, it was pointed out in the chat, excellent observation, Edmonton's defense is for some reason not on the chart. I, th I blame the, the creator of them, uh, Ryan. Uh, yeah, my fault. Uh, I'll try to get that updated here. Edmonton's defense, $3,200 this week as well, uh, of note there. Uh, Trey, what are you looking at at defense here? Adam, how could you not go for the double XP on Deron Carter? You get him at receiver and on defense. If I had to go 3,200, I know it's the Bombers, but maybe I take Edmonton just with the Duran Carter thing. But right now I got Winnipeg. I'm going to spend my money on them, hoping that they get to an uncertain quarterback and an offense that isn't uh, isn't performing where they should go. I did like what Ryan said. Toronto was definitely on my radar until <laughs> COVID happened again in uh, in Ryderville, right? But yeah, I'm thinking BC for sure. I mean, Winnipeg for sure. Yeah, Deron Carter might make me change my mind, though. I'm going to be sitting on the park and ride bus uh, to the – oh, I know, the game's away this week. Never mind. Well, I may be on a bus but not going to the game. Um, but I'll be sitting at home then twiddling my thumbs thinking maybe I'll put the Edmonton defense in, but for right now it's going to pick. So you're saying that Deron Carter is a new you, – you, right, you froze right on the reference there, Adam. So I was going to say, Trey, so you're saying Deron Carter is a new hope? 100%. 100%. You know, I think, you know, I this is why I think you get Vernon Adams in there with Deron Carter. I think they could do some things. My ma wacky magic there. This Great. episode of the podcast is unofficially sponsored by Deron Carter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> On a side note, guys, please, please, please don't bet the farm with our uh, with our stuff. Uh, some of it is just banter, like I say. Uh, I I own a farm. It's not overrated like, uh, like Richard said. But uh, let's face it, um, I don't really want to lose my farm too badly either. So please, please don't uh, don't take us to seriousness on some of this stuff, okay? And uh, I, I was looking at uh, trying to get Edmonton uh, fixed up on the charts here. They are just gone from my list entirely. I don't know what happened. Sorry, Elks fans, that is not a statement of your football team. Uh, Chris Jones's defense should be on the list, and they will be next week here on the charts on the screen 
Well, I think we've gone through our options at Fantasy this week. Again, a weird week this week. Make sure you check the depth charts. Make sure you check if games are happening and kind of plan your roster around uh, the different options here. Uh, let's move on to our uh, picks for the week against the spread. We make them every week. Uh, take us away with uh, the games here this week, Trey. I've got. I have to make a reference. That last comment by Chris, the rise of Carter, that – that blows it out of the water. I was just typing into the group chat. You got to put that one up on the screen. That deserves comment of the episode right there. If we had such a thing, I love that one. But let's go into betting, guys. Double header on uh, Thursday. We're going to start it here. Uh, we're getting my sheets out here. Montreal into Ottawa. Montreal's road dog favored by two and a half. They got to win by a field goal. I'm going to take Montreal. I think they should win by a field goal. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go Montreal in this one as well. Uh, I, two and a half is that weird number that I really, really never like. Uh, but in this case, I think Montreal can cover that one. Uh, definitely we'll have to. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look on that. But uh, Ryan, what are you thinking? I think we're going consistent across the board here as well. I do not think Montreal is taking 193 yards of penalties this week. I don't love the, you know, I don't love some of their depth, but I like some of it a little more than how Ottawa is playing currently. Uh, So I will go with the Alouettes on this one as well, I think, this week. Yeah. We're going to the next game. I forgot to mention just our season stats. Adam and I are at 13 and 10. Ryan is at 12. And 11, but again, don't bet the farm unless you have like a two yard by two yard, like two foot by two foot little thing out somewhere. Then maybe it's worth 20 bucks. But other than that, and last week, you two guys went three and one. This guy went four and oh, that'll never happen again. So don't go with what I say this weekend. But second game on Thursday night, Hamilton, big underdogs, like you said, Battle of the Felines going into BC place, minus eight and a half favorites at home, the Lions. That is a touchdown and a rouge favorite. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Oh, this is tough. I I feel inclined. I got to take Hamilton here because I did because I did mention earlier on in the show that I didn't think this would be quite a blowout. But do I think BC could still win by at least eight here? I do, and I don't consider that necessarily a blowout. I think BC coming off the bye, they're going to be sharp. They're going to learn from that loss against Winnipeg. It's only going to help Nathan Rourke grow. Uh, I'm going to take the Lions here because I love pretty much everything I've seen from that football team thus far and have no reason to pick against them. You know, I'm going to take uh, Hamilton, and there's only one reason behind this. Uh they got John Ryan. That's the one point that's going to give Hamilton the uh, seven instead of the uh, eight that they should uh, probably be out by. Um, you know what? Yeah, no. Hamilton, I think, is a little bit better of a team now, and especially with Kahari Jones. I think that they have a little bit more of a light at the end of the tunnel here. Uh, you know what? Let's go with the upset. I think Hamilton might even just win this one, but at least let's go with the spread that they'll cover. Yeah, uh, it is. It is Michael Domagala punting for the Tie Cats, not John Ryan. So I take uh, the BC Lions in a twenty-game point game now. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's go Hamilton. Let's have some fun. Uh, I took BC as well. I forgot to mention that. I think they're going to win by the 
by the touchdown in a rouge easily uh, in this one. But going to Friday night, uh, a little later in the night, I'm going to have to stay up past my bedtime. It starts at 8. Um, Winnipeg goes into Edmonton. They're fa- Winnipeg's favored by a touchdown, minus 7. Um, yeah, maybe if Edmonton was able to uh, tag the right people on Twitter, this wouldn't be a, such a bad line. Who knows? I'm going to take Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg... This is a game we're talking earlier about BC and them trying to say if they dom or if they win, are they establishing themselves? I think this is another game Winnipeg needs to take care of business. And I think that Winnipeg defense will do that. Uh, Ryan or Adam, let's go to you. What do you think? Well, I've been saying it all night and I've been asking it all night and everybody kind of just kind of laughs every time I say it. Let's go with the Edmonton Elks. I think that they're actually going to win this game. And not only that, they're going to win it outright. They're not going to just cover. They're going to win this game here against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bombers are coming in confident, maybe a little too confident in my opinion right now. And when that happens, all bets are off. Edmonton's getting a guy back. We've been talking about him a little bit, uh, but I don't think that's the big issue. I think that Taylor Cornelius is going to come out, finally show that he's ready to start competing for that first overall spot. Uh, on the depth chart, right? What game in the last two years has Winnipeg not come in confident they were going to win, Adam? I, I mean, like, like, yes, I agree. There is the potential for that, like uh, that trap game aspect of it for sure. But I, I don't know. I think Winnipeg, Mike O'Shea, the way he coaches that team, he has them prepared for any sort of game they face, it seems to to be. And uh, this matchup with Edmonton, Edmonton's got so many injuries right now impacting them. I don't think they necessarily have the depth to replace it. Yeah, I've got when I'm taking Winnipeg uh, full out here uh, to win this one uh, by more than seven. Real quick, did you say Hamilton outright two possibly, Adam? Or is that just kind of... Hamilton cover. Let's go with Hamilton cover. I was going to say a $10 bet on a parlay, Hamilton and Edmonton winning outright. $10 $10 would turn into 135 So that's not a bad bet, but, you know, that that's what I might just put down for fun. And if you get that right, I'll uh, I'll definitely come buy you some beers and we'll uh, we'll go hunt some cows down and bring them back into the pen together after. But last game, if it happens, if it happens at Mosaic, uh, Toronto coming in. I'm actually, I don't, I'm really surprised about this line. I don't know what you guys are. I, I think I talked to Ryan about it. Really didn't talk to Adam about it. Argos underdog by three. Riders are favored by three at home. Minus three. I'm taking the Argos. The reason why I'm a little extra chattery tonight is because I had to have the Alexander Keys because the Toronto Argonauts won in uh, Wolfsville last week. So I'm going to take the Argos again, uh, Ryan. Normally I go the other direction. You know, Saskatchewan's at home. Saskatchewan's, uh, it's a home and home series. You split it. But with the COVID situation, with the Cody Fajardo injury situation, with all of the off-field turmoil, I don't know if I can in good faith pick the uh, the Riders to win this one. Uh, I'll, I'll go to the Argos to, uh, to win this one as well. I'll take Toronto here, Adam. I look at this game and I think it's the same thing. It's a negative three, so that means that uh, the home team usually automatically gets a three. That means that this essentially is a pick em and uh, – the way I look at it is Saskatchewan's definitely not prepared for this game. If it goes on on Saturday, uh, we don't know what the status of AC Leonard is. We don't know what the status of Henderson is. We don't know the status of Mulligan. And uh, yeah, that's a big piece of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense we're talking about here. And the big part of all that I didn't even say yet is 
we don't know the status of Cody Fajardo. So to me, there's so many question marks on this one yet and uh, not a lot of time to answer them. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to go with the Toronto Argonauts. And uh, if uh, Kat's watching, I'm sorry, sorry so much. All right, those are our picks here for uh, week number seven. Do you have anything else to add there, Trey? No, just uh, like I was going to say, remember uh, who went 4-0 last week. Uh, it will never happen again, so don't go with me ever again, guys. Yeah, overall good week last week. Uh, hopefully we've got another good week coming here this week as well for for our picks. Of course, you can follow along. Trey tweets them out for us every single week. You can see uh, how we are doing there. Uh, well, I think that pretty much does it for our week seven preview. Been a long one here tonight, boys. Uh, late one. Uh, appreciate everybody who's stuck with us throughout the night here. Uh, so far, uh, I know we started a bit late. We had some technical difficulties along the way. Uh, but we've had a lot of fun here tonight as well. Let's take a look at what's coming up next here on the podcast. Uh, let's, uh, bring it up on the screen here for you. Uh, Monday night after this weekend's games, uh, 9 p.m. Uh, Central time in Winnipeg, uh, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time. Other time zones adjust accordingly. We'll recap each of the games uh, from this weekend, however many are played. Uh, we'll give our players the week. We'll update our power rankings as well. Uh, and then Wednesday night, we're back doing the same thing for week number eight, talking through the storylines, CFL fantasy options, and making our picks here against the spread as well. Uh, also, I don't have a slide up here for it, but we have an extra bonus episode coming your way uh, next week as well. Uh, Tuesday night, uh, I'll be sitting down with uh, Brandon Sanders, a college, a college fantasy football analyst for Campus to Canton. Campus to Canton uh, at CFF University is his handle on Twitter. We'll be talking through CFL fantasy option, or we'll be talking a bunch of CFL fantasy. Where these players uh, that are now playing in the CFL, where they came from, from their college days, how they did in fantasy football then, what we can expect from them now, etc. We'll be pre-recording that one. It will not be live. We'll be recording it Tuesday night next week. It'll be out on the podcast platforms, audio and video on Friday. So uh, three episodes from us next week. We'll look forward to that. We've got some other fun announcements to come uh, down the pipe as well. Uh, so stay tuned for all of that. Uh, lots of exciting times here on the podcast. Of course, you can catch all of our shows and more uh, every week over on YouTube. Search the Canadian Football Countdown there. Facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod. Uh, on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Twitch.tv slash CF Countdown Pod. And on the Game Time TV YouTube page. Shout out to our presenting sponsor. Learn more at Facebook.com slash Game Time TV MB. Uh, find us on Facebook and Twitter. Again, I mentioned at CF Countdown Pod. Make sure you check out all of the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well, at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Um, also, I forgot to mention earlier, the Canadian, the CFL Podcast Fantasy League, because we've been talking fantasy here tonight. Uh, the three of us are playing in that alongside a lot of other great podcasters. Trey, you've got Zach Schnitzer from uh, Bonfire Sports this week. Adam's got the guys over from the Argos fan cast. I believe they play as a collective team. So uh, one against many here, Adam, uh, you got to take them down here. Uh, and I've got uh, defending champion, Joe Pritchard from Rouge, White and Blue. The last person to beat me in a fantasy matchup in last year's semifinals, top two teams in the league head to head 
should be a lot of fun there as well. Uh, at CFL Pod Fantasy on Twitter is where you can follow all of our fantasy results. Uh, guys, as we wrap this up, where can people find you and uh, what have you all got going on these days? Uh, Star Wars references, anything else? Uh, Slurpee cups? Uh, Trey, what, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Trey MB Harness if you want to talk anything horse racing, uh, football, Star Wars, whatever you have it. Boys, we had a two-hour episode. We never even talked about the new Riders logo, too, that they apparently put in uh, for trademarks. Maybe we'll have to talk about that on an after show on Twitter or something. I don't know if I like it or not. But, uh, uh, yeah, at Trey MB Harness, uh, I got a lot of harness racing stuff going on right now, so you can always uh, tweet me about anything horse racing. Adam, what about you? Yeah, you can find me over at Adam Stewart one uh, That's my Twitter handle over there. Usually I try to reference everything out uh, from where I go. Usually I'm on Instagram and YouTube and everywhere with farm stuff. Uh, if you like watching farm videos, by all means, join me over at Farmer in Sask. Uh, I know I've got a few new subscribers there, and uh, they seem to be very satisfied with the product so far. Like Ryan. Anyways, uh no, we had, we've got lots of stuff going on over there. Again, CFL, we've got uh, some NHL stuff still going on. I know I'm probably going to be uh, making fun of uh, Calgary uh, Flame fans very soon again with the Matthew Kachuk stuff. Uh, but hey, also, if you uh, want to hear me again, I also did uh, just a little sh- special shout out over to Travis Curra with the Two and Out CFL podcast. I uh, he wanted uh, me over there for the day. I don't know what's wrong with him and why he did, but I guess that'll work. Uh, so, yeah, the latest two and out CFL podcast. Go check that one out as well. I Like I said before, that was the original podcast that I was ever on. So uh, kind of cool going back home to the original two and out. So anyway, uh, Ryan, where can people find you? Yeah, awesome. Yes, glad you shouted that out. Uh, Make sure you check that out, folks. We did retweet it as well, uh, if you want to find it there. Uh, I know I'm going to enjoy listening to that one. Uh, As for me, you can find me on Twitter, at CooperTrooper42, starts with a K. You want to talk CFL, you want to talk CFL Fantasy. You want to talk how to navigate this week of CFL Fantasy with the Argos and the Riders, uh, feel free to uh, hit me up on Twitter, at CooperTrooper42. Always happy to talk through all of that fun stuff. Uh, you can find our other host, Michael Garrell at Mike Garrell on Twitter as well, and check out everything he's got going on there. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate it. If you do all the fun things like comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us here tonight. It's been a blast and, uh, enjoy week number seven in the CFL. Thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.